Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. Hey, you know what? I am not afraid to shy away from a difficult conversation. Uh, I'm, I'm all right with them. I'm okay with uh, the awkwardness of things that are needed to be talking, talked about. And, and the series we're going into is going to be thick with these conversations. All right, so if, if you've had questions about hard things about your faith, we are glad that you are here tonight. We are hoping that you will find yourself here over the course of the next five weeks as we tackle this idea of Genesis and did this, come on, I mean, really? Did it really happen that way? Is that really how it happened? Um, you know, there's a lot of... Um, speculation and controversy around this idea of creation. Uh, anybody that's been in many science classes, you'll hear things about evolution. You'll hear things about, um, you know, the Big Bang Theory, uh, which I believe in, by the way. God said, and bang, it happened. Like, I am a Big Bang Theory person because I just know the source of the bang. So, but all of this stuff brings into question, really, did it really happen that way? It was we open our Bibles up to Genesis chapter 1. I have no idea why I'm opening my Bible to read it to you because I know I can get this without uh, making a mistake because it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, that means that there was a beginning and God was there and he created the heavens and the earth. This is a controversial statement, and I'm not sure if you fully understand why. People argue this. People don't want to admit that life would come from God. You know, this summer at, at CIY, they showed this video. Uh, we watched this video called Unseen, and it was about an Irish uh, teenager that had gotten to a point in his life that he felt like his life was without hope, was without any kind of future. And he was at this point of desperation that he was just feeling that life was meaningless and his only answer was to end his life. And I know that that situation is not simply unique to any small portion of our country. And I know that it's an issue that you as students continue to struggle through. You continue to ask the question, why are we here? Why do we exist? Why, why do I, questions like, why do I look this way? Why don't I look like them? Why, why do they look like me? All of this gets boiled down to whether or not in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I hope you can see that. And so tonight, I, I'm not going to be rolling out scientific stuff to you. In fact, if I would start to do that, you should walk out and leave because I am not a scientist. Now, I know a lot of really smart people and I know how to do uh, research and I know how to, to find information, but I am not a scientist. And, and I want to take this conversation to a philosophical level because I think that's where the true issue lies with whether or not in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. I don't think it's as much science as it is philosophical. And to explain that a little better, I want you to watch this video. From galaxies and stars, 
down to atoms and subatomic particles. The very structure of our universe is determined by these numbers. These are the fundamental constants and quantities of the universe. Scientists have come to the shocking realization that each of these numbers has been carefully dialed to an astonishingly precise value, a value that falls within an exceedingly narrow, life-permitting range. If any one of these numbers were altered by even a hair's breadth, no physical, interactive life of any kind could exist anywhere. There'd be no stars, no life, no planets, no chemistry. Consider gravity, for example. The force of gravity is determined by the gravitational constant. If this constant varied by just one in 10 to the 60th parts, none of us would exist. To understand how exceedingly narrow this life-permitting range is, imagine a dial divided into 10 to the 60th increments. To get a handle on how many tiny points on the dial this is, compare it to the number of cells in your body or the number of seconds that have ticked by since time began. If the gravitational constant had been out of tune by just one of these infinitesimally small increments, the universe would either have expanded and thinned out so rapidly that no stars could form and life couldn't exist, or it would have collapsed back on itself with the same result, no stars, no planets, and no life. Or consider the expansion rate of the universe. This is driven by the cosmological constant, a change in its value by a mere one part in 10 to the 120th parts would cause the universe to expand too rapidly or too slowly. In either case, the universe would again be life prohibiting. Or another example of fine tuning. If the mass and energy of the early universe were not evenly distributed to an incomprehensible precision of one part in 10 to the 10 to the 123rd, the universe would be hostile to life of any kind. The fact is, our universe permits physical, interactive life only because these, and many other numbers, have been independently and exquisitely balanced on a razor's edge. Wherever physicists look, they see examples of fine-tuning. The remarkable fact is that the values of these numbers seem to have been very finely adjusted to make possible the development of life. If anyone claims not to be surprised by the special features that the universe has, he's hiding his head in the sand. These special features are surprising and unlikely. A common sense interpretation of the facts suggests that a super intellect monkeyed with physics and that there are no blind forces worth speaking about in nature. The numbers one calculates from the facts seem to me so overwhelming as to put this conclusion almost beyond question. There is, for me, powerful evidence that there is something going on behind it all. It seems as though somebody has fine-tuned nature's numbers to make the universe. The impression of design is overwhelming. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. The heavens declare the glory of God. These are some of the, the brightest minds, they would say, in science that are saying, look, as I look at this, there is such precision here, 
Something had to have been done. These are even people that would not proclaim to be Christ followers. Those numbers, you guys, are staggering. My, my mind cannot even comprehend 10 to the, to the 10th to the 123rd power. That is, I can't even think about that number. And, and they only chose three things that would impact the entire universe. They didn't even talk about the fact that the, the earth had to be a certain distance from the sun or life wouldn't exist or if the moon was too close to the earth, like what would flood and where, where life wouldn't be able to exist. The precision for life to exist is incredible. And they talk about the probabilities in these insane ratios, and they talked about them as individual uh, values. They didn't even begin to talk about the chance that all three of those would happen in the same universe at the same precise time. It would be like if you walked home, when you got home tonight, you got out a thousand piece puzzle and you opened the box and you stood there and you went, you toss it up in the air, you watch it hit the floor, you gather all the pieces up, put it back in, toss it up in the air, watch it hit the floor, gather the pieces up. It's like you're sitting there waiting for the puzzle to simply fall together by itself. Insanity, right? That's what these scientists and physicists and these bright minds are saying. They said, they're saying that the, the evidence that points towards design is overwhelming and we shouldn't even be having this discussion. But the discussion is had because we argue about where the design came from. And that's why I believe that this discussion is philosophical and it's not as much scientific because as science looks at, at, at matter in the universe in smaller and smaller portions, it screams out intelligent design. They go, this is beyond what I can comprehend. Something was done here that I can't even fathom or begin to understand. So it comes back to why won't people point towards a creator as they look at creation? Scott illustrated this in a fantastic manner Sunday morning. He had his iPad out and he said, you know what? Um, as we look at this device, would you guys argue that there was, a, there was a creator that put this together? Would you argue this? None of you would, right? It's, its existence is evidence of a creator. What about we could open it up and we can pull the components apart, right? And there's a digitizer in there. There's some circuit boards. Uh, it's all points towards what? Intelligent design and that, that there was a creator. But for some reason, when we go smaller with those particles, we start to argue and go, well, all the rest of that is a part of intelligent design, but not necessarily the elements that make up those components that are inside that self. Those, that's not, all of a sudden we change our mind. And I believe, students, that it's all because we don't want to be held accountable to that creator. Because if all of life is pointing to a creator, then we have to admit that our lives are accountable to that creator. John chapter 1, I want to read this to you. There's an incredible verse in John chapter 1. The book starts out with this, and it talks about Jesus being present at the time of creation. It says this, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, speaking of Christ. Through Him 
all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Speaking of how Jesus coming into the world, and you know what? The world didn't even begin to understand who he was. I go back to this issue that we watched in this video of unseen and hopelessness and despair. And I ask myself over and over again whenever I read of a, of a suicide of any kind, I think to myself, I'm, I'm like, man, what would drive that person to that point, that they felt like there was no future, there was no hope, that their life was so meaningless that the best option was for their life to end. And I was thinking about you guys, and, and my only hope for you is that at some point your soul would wake up and you would start to get true value for life and what it means to have a reason to get up in the morning and to live life. And these questions and these concepts are tied together, students. It's when we understand that our life came from God, and you've heard me say this, I hope, a thousand times, and our life is returning to God. When we understand that, it gives our life purpose, and this is why. We allow God to define how we are to live. And we understand that our purpose for being here isn't to just fulfill our selfish desires. Our purpose for being here isn't to simply uh, achieve some kind of status. Our purpose for being here is so much more than, than a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a team, a class, a college, a job, a car. It is so much bigger than that, but we don't realize it unless we identify our source of life being from creator God. We get confused unless we identify that. And that's why our society wants to fight over this question. I don't even believe for a minute that it's about the science. It's about the philosophy. And King David saw it, that all of creation is crying out to God. Everything that we look at, everything we see is crying out to its creator. You know, something that I want to do before, before I die, there are places on this earth that I want to go see. I, I've never, I have no desire really to fly over an ocean and go anywhere. Um, I, I, like, I like Nebraska. I'm weird like that. The rest of you guys are like, get me out of here. I would like to see some kind of a rainforest. Uh, I would like to go to Northern California and see some giant redwoods. I would like to go see the Grand Canyon. I would like to travel to the Northeast this time of year and watch the, the trees change colors. I would like to go see that. I, I would like to be uh, in the Rocky Mountains in the dead of winter when it is thick with snow and it's scary as I'll get out to drive on the roads. I want to do that someday. And my wife probably just freaked out when she heard me say that. I want to go to Yellowstone National Park and I want to look at, look at Old Faithful and hopefully get out of there before that volcano erupts and kills everybody. I want to see all of that because, students, what Scripture says and what I believe is that all of creation is crying out to its creator. 
from the smallest thing, from the smallest animal to the most giant mountain, proclaiming the goodness of God. And if we, didn't, if we say that that doesn't exist, we are actually living in an ignorant way where we can't, if we say that we can't see God's creativity, if my salvation is hinging on a God that tells me he has the ability to raise my life from the dead, to forgive my sin, and to create a new earth that I will live in someday, and my salvation, my faith is hanging on that, I sure as well better be able to believe that that same God that can do that can create in a powerful way. I was out on a run with Parker today and we were running by, I love this time of year because of what happens on the trees. And I noticed something, um, I'm always, Parker really doesn't like the fall because it leads to winter, but it's starting to grow on him. And I had this tree that I went by and I think I've got a photo of it that I want you guys to see. This branch right here, it was incredible to me, not simply because it was changing color, but we have a God that, <laughs> that chose complementary colors of a tree to change so that I could enjoy this beauty. He chose that. I don't know if you've ever thought about that as you have looked at creation. Complementary colors are on opposite ends of the color wheel because they're very appealing to look at when they're placed together. And God did this on purpose. This did not happen by accident. And in the same manner, he did not send his son to die for my sin by accident. It was by design. He did not send his son to die for you, to take a punishment that you deserved by accident. It was by design. We're going to get to celebrate and rejoice rebirth tonight with some students that are going to submit their lives to Christ in baptism. And, and when I see that, I see God breathing life into what was once dead because if our lives are being lived without Christ, we are dead inside. And we're witnessing rebirth and creation in this moment where scripture says you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Let's celebrate what God has done tonight. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. I am, I am in awe of your creativity. I am in awe of your power. And Father, all of creation cries out to you. All of creation speaks to you, the creator. And Father, just like the words of that song, if your son left the grave behind, so will I. And I will hang on to the truth of your word because it is a truth that gives life. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students.